Welcome to Tabletop. My name is Nick, and I think that fudging dice rolls is totally okay. Hey, it's me, Franco, and rolling for initiative sucks. I'm Daniel, and I think you should modify your first level characters as much as you want. And I'm Shade, and if your TTRPG hasn't evolved into a LARP, you've done it wrong. And we all host Tabletop, a TTRPG podcast about all things games and storytelling. And sometimes we have game designers, professional researchers, and even the occasional owlbear. If this interests you, listen to Tabletop every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. Tabletop is a proud member of the Helios Network. Hey, it's Charlie, Negative Modifiers Game Master. First off, thank you for giving us a listen. As always, expect something horrible to happen to the players. If you're a fan, support us by leaving a review on iTunes. If you hate the show, consider doing it anyway and enjoying the fact that you've inflicted us on someone else. The most up-to-date news on the podcast, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And with that... Negative Modifier welcomes you to deep, dark space. Specifically, Coriolis, the Third Horizon, a setting of mysticism, space travel, some mild eldritch horror, and, well, some stuff we'll find out in a few minutes. As always, I'm Charlie. I'll be your game master for this one. And as always, I'm joined by the wonderful Negative Modifier cast. Guys, introduce yourself again and give us your character names and a little bit about them. So, I am... Alex, a.k.a. Maeve Online. But this time, I'm playing a completely originally named character named Evam Anildo, which is just Maeve Online backward. Yes, I'm back in space form. And uh, my character is kind of a, he's well off, but he really wants to prove himself. So he's, uh, he's taken on the quest, and it just so happens the quest that I'm on involves helping someone else who's on the crew. And uh, yeah, that's my character. Very geeky. Hacker-ish type of guy this time around. Excellent. Hey, my name is Jad. I go by they, them. I'm playing a character named Ruth for this campaign. She is a guardswoman for a flotilla of spaceships. Unfortunately, she has a little bit of a past and is kind of got a target on her back. But thankfully, she's got a crew of competent individuals who will be able to kind of help her out with that. Last but not least. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Dylan. Today, I'm going to be playing Abarama Slime. He's an ace fighter pirate from Myra, who's joined up with this flotilla after his term of service was over because he realized that government suck and you should just be living out in the void where they can't tell you what to do. As we all know, in space, no one can tell you what to do. Exactly, except for the captain. Except for the captain. So that brings us to our story, a story of a dying ship, the dying ship, if you will. We'll be playing the scenario The Dying Ship by Free League. Unlike a lot of other stuff, this is something you can go buy and play if you enjoy hearing the story. So, yeah, hope you enjoy. All right, so our story opens up after two days of real aggressive, real fast-paced, real frantic deep space travel in the Kua system. You've left Coriolis two days ago. You've made a beeline out to the eye of Anubar, tracking down the Orin 2. Off in the distance, nearing the Eye of Anubar, a giant asteroid field, you see the Orin 2. It's still on its collision path. It's not clear what's going on. The ship is running a lot darker than it should be. You're all aboard the Saffron, a express freighter, a good ship, a good medium-sized ship for a three-man crew, a versatile ship. It's a fast ship. You've managed to catch this ice hauler that's gone rogue, if you will, as it nears essentially a certain space doom. What is every member of the crew doing at this point in time? 
captain of the ship. I'm assuming I'm in the main control room. I don't think I'm the, as I recall, I'm not the pilot. I'm the captain. So I'm just kind of there making sure that we're on the right path, I guess. Yeah, I'd probably say you're staring out the monitors of this. Like you're probably the one that spots the fact that like, yeah, this ship looks strange. Everything about the situation is bad. You probably wince as a meteorite, kind of a small one bounces off the hole. All right. Well, as I hear the sound, I look over and I start checking the monitors again to see if there's any weird damage from hearing that debris hit the ship. And I look over at Abrama, who I'm assuming is the pilot of the ship. Oh, yeah, don't worry nothing about that, Captain. Little asteroids like that, they ain't going to do nothing. It's going to take one of those big ones to put all on us. Well, that's good to know. I'm going to check the monitors anyway, just because make sure they were doing all right here. You know, never hurts to be, uh, you know, crossing your T's and dotting your I's, making sure everything's double checked, you know? You're the captain. Hey, Cap. I kind of pop out from the observation deck, kind of above the ship, kind of peering down. It looks like we're getting a little dust. Hey, GM, does this ship have kind of a low grade, like firing systems, almost like a small laser grid to kind of start clearing out some debris that's coming through? The Saffron does have weapons. It doesn't really have any like PDC cannons or just kind of some general clearing stuff like that. It it has weapons, but they're kind of more for anti-ship to ship. Like it can definitely punch a hole in something larger, but these smaller ones... That's the problem. They're small. They're kind of hard to hit and they're fast moving. Gotcha. Hey, Cap, there's a we're getting some dust hail. Unfortunately, I cannot use any of these guns to clear anything out because that is just a waste of bullets. Abarama, you uh, you sure we need to be on this flight path or could we kind of see if there's something a little less littered? Well, you want to get to that ship before it gets torn up. We need to go now. Well, uh, I'm going to defer to your knowledge on this one, and uh, if we need to punch it, let's just punch it and get over there as fast as possible, then. Y'all should probably strap in, then. It's going to get a little bumpy. As soon as he says that, I slyly walk over to my chair, and I make sure I put on my seatbelt real quick. Do I know anything very much about Kua? Oh, yeah. Give me a culture check on this one. Let's see what you know about Kua. I absolutely cannot think of anything about Kua right now. I mean, you know the basics of the Kua system. It's the most important system in the entirety of the Third Horizon. It's the home of Coriolis Station. It's the nexus that all travel must go through. And you've probably heard of the Eye of Anubar once or twice before. It's a large transient meteor swarm that kind of floats around the outer edges of the system. It's quite dangerous. It's definitely scuttled a couple ships. Like, it's not something you want to get stuck in. Like, the fact that the Orin 2 is deliberately aiming itself at it is. Definitely troubling. I pause thinking that I'm about to say something, but after kind of drawing a blank, you know what? You're a pilot. We're not dead yet, so I've had it. There's always tomorrow. <laughs> Let's not. And I mosey on over back to the observation deck and strap in. On your way through, you pass your well-dressed passenger. He is a bit late 30s, early 40s man with sharp facial hair. He's reading a book. He kind of nods at you as you pass and as you make your way past him. Uh, give me an observation check as you walk by him. I have a limited success with one. All right. So you hear him kind of mutter to himself almost two whole days, two whole days to get to here. I'm coming, my friend. Soon we will see how this all plays out, I suppose. And as you all approach this very dangerous asteroid field. You're probably thinking something along the lines of two days ago, 
you didn't foresee this in any way, shape, or form. After he says that, I kind of do a little bit of a side eye and I start taking a little bit more of a detailed watch over him. I understand that we're probably ferrying him for some sort of pay if he's a guest. Yeah, no, he's a paying customer. But that was kind of weird and that was kind of creepy. So I'm going to keep a little bit of a detailed watch on. Indeed, Mr. Kembori's behavior the last few days has been a little bit strange. It's probably the polite interpretation of it. But yes, it's been quite an eventful few days. Two days ago, the crew of the Saffron was returning back to the Kua system. What took you out of the Kua system? What job were you working on before you returned to Coriolis Station? Just to kind of keep in line with the story, we got a, like a, I guess, a tip that the nemesis for Ruth was spotted in another system nearby. Like you were off trying to track this person down, the, the person that's kind of been hunting Ruth or making Ruth's life complicated? Yeah. All right. So much to mean the hunt for this person was fruitless, like you were turning back to the Kua system unsuccessful. Maybe you found a couple leads, but you definitely didn't find the person. Yeah, it, basically, we were chasing ghosts, it felt like, after a little bit, so we were on our way back. I suggest that maybe the leads were just a trap, and we just got out of something hairy. Ooh. Yeah, sounds good. That works, yeah. I would like to say that we kind of made it while, though, because we were able to secure at least one barrel of spice to trade and cash in that we were able to nab off of said hairy experience. Sure. Cover your costs, if you will. So does that mean we were in the Zalos system? Where were you, I guess? Yeah. Like, what system were you off to? It'd be... Well, if we're doing drugs or spices, rather, Zalos is known for spices. That's one of their exports. You're kind of jumping from Iwas to Kua at this point? That makes sense. Yeah. Making your way back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. All right, cool. So space travel in Coriolis is a little bit nightmarish. So space travel is facilitated in this setting via something referred to as portals. The portals are these gateways that exist around the suns of the various systems that link the systems together. Only physical objects can pass through as far as people know. And to safely do that and avoid space madness, quite literally, the entire crews basically have to do these complex calculations and then they put themselves into referred to as cryo coffins and then load themselves into the most innermost part of the ship and ship pilots through. You awake in the Kua system successfully through a jump. You're emerging from cryostasis. Aberama, you're the first to wake up, Roof the second, and Ivam the third, as is typical at this point given the needs of the ship. What do you all do upon awaking from cryo? Aberama waking up first. He gets out, gives a loud yawn. Well, 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 Saffron, you're still flying. All right. He's going to go and make himself some coffee and then head to the bridge. Sure. Ruth? On Ruth waking up, she will be doing her stretches and just kind of limbering up. She absolutely hates cryosleep and has a slight sense of claustrophobia every single time she has to do it. I mean, yeah, you could die and never know that you died type of thing. It makes all the sense in the world to be afraid of it. Every time we wake up from cryosleep, like maybe a minute after Ruth has finished her stretches, Abarama always brings her a cup of coffee. Sure. Even is actually really slow getting out of cryosleep. So he'll sit in the pot for a few more minutes after waking up, just kind of getting his bearings. But yeah, he's definitely slow to get up out of the chamber. So he'll chill there for a little bit. 
lack of a better word. Spill over to all the sleeping he does. Like he's just kind of one of those people that has a hard time waking up, or specifically cryo that messes with him. Cryo, he just kind of takes a little bit to kind of like get out of, I guess, get out of bed, if you will. He naturally his his way of being is like even when he like normally sleeps, he takes him a bit to get up out of bed. But cryo does a little more to him, so he he does definitely take his time. But he will like sit there and just kind of stare up at the ceiling of the ship for a bit while he gathers his bearings before he gets up. That yeah, makes a lot of sense. All right, so only Abarama heads to the bridge initially? I do it eventually to meet up with Abarama, but like I said, I, it takes me a bit before I get there. Not sure. So Abarama, with coffee cup in hand, you are the first to arrive and see that you have received a message from Coriolis Station from your benefactor, the benevolent Char Muldoon, and he has a task for you. Do you open this up or wait for the captain? I think Rama's kind of impulsive. So when he sees that we have a letter, he doesn't even look to see who it's from. He just pops it up, assuming that it's some kind of new transmission from the station. That's just, I imagine it's kind of standard for Coriolis Highport to just flash the news to ships that come in. Yeah, no, it is. So he opens it without even looking at who it's from. Yeah, and probably the fact it's from Char Muldoon is... A bit of a problem. He is, after all, the man that technically owns your ship, and you all collectively owe him a little bit. And as so much of the correspondence between you and his benevolency, Muldoon, starts off with, it starts off with a simple threat of, I see you have returned to the Kua system in the nick of time, and I have yet another favor to ask of you, and before you object, remember, it would be quite a shame if I was to reclaim my property that you so generously occupy on my behalf. It is after all my ship that I simply loan to you all in this work-to-own situation we find ourselves in. One of my other ships, Narzalis, received a message recently, a request, a lucrative request, and while they are too busy, now that you're here, you're going to handle this for me. It's too beneficial for me to pass up on this. So drop whatever you're doing and get to it. And there's an attachment to it. Son of a bitch. The message reads, My name is Ansem Kamburi, and I represent a mighty client based on Coriolis. I write to you with a matter of the utmost importance, demanding the greatest discretion. My contacts have informed me that you are both competent and discreet, and thus I desire to speak with you. Thirteen hours ago, my clients lost contact with one of their ice haulers out in the asteroid belt. The name of the ship in question is Orin 2, and my clients have assured me that she is manned by a skilled and reliable crew, which makes the matter even more strange. After closer examination, my clients managed to locate the silent hauler, and have discovered that it is on a collision course with the asteroid swarm the Eye of Anuba. My clients are trying to keep the matter free from government interference, and I am now looking to hire a professional crew to intercept Orin 2 and secure my clients' crew and property. As it is a mission with a certain amount of risk attached to it, you will be generously rewarded for your time. Meet me at the beginning of the third watch at Wahib's Cantina on the ring. We need to discuss the details face to face. May you always walk in the light, your humble servant, Adzam Kamburi. It's midway through this transmission coming through. I walk into the room and see that there is a message up there. So I just kind of walk over and start reading. All right. You know, any correspondence from your friend, Captain, really darkens my day. You and I both, friend. You and I both. Let's see what they want this time. 
So is this one of those paid jobs for the gas bag, or is this one of those favors? Well, as far as this guy's concerned, it's always a favor, even though, you know, we help pay for the ship and all that. Well, looks like we've got another job to do. We'll have to kind of put our current little hunt on hold. What are we looking at time-wise to get to these coordinates that we've got signed here? Not sure. Let me give it a look. Can I look at the nav data and try to figure out how long it would take us to get there? Yeah, give me a data gen check. You know, Captain, I'm not sure why I said that I was going to check this. You're, this is kind of more your thing, right? Yeah, it's true. Let me take a gander. Can I roll the yep. data? Okay. Yep. I rolled one. Oh, literally success with one. All right. So Wahib Station is pretty famous. It is, for lack of a better phrase, it is a spacer bar. It's located in the outer ring of Coriolis Station. You may have even been there before, not realized it type of thing. Like it's probably a 12 or so hour flight from where you're at right now. It's one of the many drinking locations on arguably the most important space station, maybe the most important point in the entirety of the Third Horizon. Do you make a beeline for Coriolis Station at this point or anything you want to try and get done before you get there? Before we head out anywhere, I'd like to check and see what our supplies on the ship look like just to make sure we're stocked up and ready to go because technically we just came back from an interesting encounter. So I would assume we want to make sure that we're stocked up and ready to go. Yeah, and that's kind of normal. They can restock you pretty easily at Coriolis Station. Thankfully, you have something to actually pay for these supplies, but perhaps Mr. Kembori can be strong-armed into covering those costs. We'll have to find out. Well, if anything, I want to see if we can get to our fence, because we've got a barrel of spice and any kind of notorious drinking site, I don't think is going to be a good idea to have this. Well, then we should probably get rid of it sooner than later. Whatever the case, everybody should strap in. I'm going to put us on a full burn straight to Coriolis Station, if that's okay with you, Kevin. I, I trust your guidance. Lead the way. Is it just the three of us on the ship, or do we have other crew members? Just the three of you right now. All right. You all got 30 seconds before I turn on the burn. Well, here we go. As I head to the gunner seat and sit tight, I casually walk on over to the captain's chair and just kind of sit on down and click, and I'm like, all right, it's happening. Let's go. Saffron, just you and me. Let's. Let's give him a show. He's going to do a roll and then full throttle. Pouting check, yeah. Let's go. Critical success, three. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, you make that maneuver look just effortless. It's a practice maneuver for you at this point. Just a nice roll and acceleration. So Coriolis Station is, as you all know, the most important point in the entirety of the Third Horizon. It's a space station that acts as the hub of everything that happens out here. Trade, commerce, mercenary dealings, black market underworld, scientific discoveries. A lot of it in one way, shape, or form runs through Coriolis Station. And it's a massive space station. Like, couldn't exist on Earth type of thing. It is a city of its own out in outer space that circles the planet of Kua. It's also part of the reason that the Kua system has become just so unbelievably important. So, you're going to try and visit your fence on the station? Yes. Because this is raw, undocumented spice, so I don't want to get hit with tariffs or any kind of dealings with any kind of space police. I feel like the spice plaza of the Coriolis station is a bit too obvious. That's where all like the legal spice trades are. There is. Tattoo Alley is kind of where the 
gray markets are because that's where biosculpting and cybernetic work happens and it's a bit of a cultural taboo. Like your fence probably deals in a variety of things and probably for cover operates out of tattoo alley. Mm-hmm. You know, if we want to avoid tariffs, perhaps we should slap a tracker on the cargo container, throw it out to space and give them the information on it. Let them deal with smuggling it. Like a little space alley you? Yeah, basically. I mean, it's not going to go any faster than we let it out. It won't get too far before he can send somebody out to get it. No, as long as we keep this kind of on the low, low, we should be all right. Of course, I could always continue using my, uh, what's it called, modulation mask to make sure that no one else uh, really knows it's uh, good old me. It's hard to pin somebody down when they're changing faces every 10 minutes. Yeah, why don't we try to calm our fence there and see what he wants to do? Let's try and get in contact with your fence. Yes, please. All right. Give me a data gen to see how secure a connection you managed to pull off. Alrighty, I will do that. Can we assist each other in this? Yes, you can actually. So for every one of you with the skill, you can get a plus one if you're assisting. I'm going to assist. I have one in data gen. All right. Okay. I rolled limited success with two. All right. I'm posted up just making sure that no one else is looking at us while they're doing this because I have no idea what to do. So after a few minutes, you're bouncing back and forth signals with Coriolis Station. Bunch of your fence friend picks up and it's all, oh, you three are back. You're alive. Yeah, well, welcome back to the sector, I guess. What can I do for you? Last I heard, you guys weren't exactly going out there to do any trading. You were going to have to kill someone was the rumor around the watering hole. You got something to sell? We may have something that will pique your interest. Is there a way to send him like a shot of what we have, basically our cargo of spice? Yeah, easily, yeah. Okay, so I guess as this transmission is secure, I will send basically a photograph of the cargo we have with Spice. Sure. Yes, you kind of hear some rustling on the comm as he's doing some stuff. He goes, well, the good news is I can definitely sell that for you. Bad news is there's not a ton of it, like probably cover your cost of getting to and back from maybe a little bit of spending money. But, well, you didn't strike it rich with this one. We walked out and walked back home. I'll keep it as is, but if it can cover our gate fees for a couple jumps, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I could probably get you a price for that. You bringing this into the station or doing something a little bit weirder with it? Thinking about dropping it for you with a tracker so you could send somebody out. Perfect. I got someone leaving the system soon anyway, so they can go grab it for me. Tell you what, I'll front you kind of some of the money, rest of the money upon delivery or upon pickup, I guess, in this case. Sound fair? You know I'm good for it. No, you're good for it. This is just... You know, in case something weird happens out there where someone snacks it or something, or God forbid someone runs into it that happened a couple cycles back. That's some impressive pilot in there. Rumor has it they were drunk, but also the fact they managed to hit something that's about three meters tall by a meter deep by a meter thick in the vastness of space. That just takes some talent at that point. I'm jealous. I don't know. Sounds like someone pissed off an icon. Yeah, definitely seems that way. Real run of bad luck. It's strange that ship, all types of mechanical issues, may have just been a failure on their part. Real rough gate jump, maybe. But yeah, cool. We'll send someone out to grab it. Cover your gate fees for the time being. You know which gate to stop at for that. You looking for work while you're in system? Or what brings you back to Kua so soon? We got an interesting message. And so with that interesting message comes work. So here we are. Another Muldoon favor? Of course. It's always one favor here, one favor there, you know, 
the huge. I still can't believe that you got roped in with that fat bastard. It's that that man is as horrific as he is confusing to look at. Well, yeah, but you know, if it keeps us on the ship where we can do all of our other little side things that we want to take care of, these favors are just really the side of days. As long as we can use what resources we get from them to get our goal done, you know, that's a that's a good compromise, I guess, for the time being. Speak. Speaking of side gigs, do you happen to have any side side gigs in the direction of Wahib? Nothing right now, but I can look around for you. Kind of pauses for a second. You're talking about the bar, Wahib? Wahib's Cantina? Maybe. You're looking for a gig that exists between the landing bay and a bar on the same station. Yeah, anybody need to be roughed up? By the mother, you guys are desperate for money. I don't know if anyone needs anything that badly right now, but uh, keep my ear out for you, I guess. You got anything else on the station? We're here for a little thing. We can always take a little quick walk. Jaunt. I hear some, like, rustling on his end again. I may have something for you. If it pans out to be something, I'll send the details to you at the landing pad. Sounds good. You've got our number. You know where to find us. Yeah, yeah. As always, good doing business with you. Always. Pleasure's, pleasure's all mine. Connection severed at that point. Okay, cool. Oh, boy. At least we got our gate fees covered. I guess we're doing the whole docking thing. I'm going to scoot myself back on over to the observation deck and just kind of clean up a little bit. All right, Abarama, give me a piloting check as you kind of dock at Coriolis Station. See how stylish you do this. Let's see if we can give him a show this time, Saffron. You know, Saffron, I think I'm going to do a little prayer to the the gambler here. See if we can not crash into the station. <laughs> can I push this roll? Yep, right. And praying to the gambler is good because I have three successes, which makes that a critical. All right. So what initially starts off as like a really bad angle that might have been kind of just a real bad collision. You managed to kind of whip the ship around at the last second and just turn what by all measures, looked like just a absolute failure of a landing into just the stylish, just, you knew what you were doing. This was all intentional. You were just messing with docking control or the flight planners or something like that. Like, you're just showing off at this point. Like, this is all just stunt. Definitely weren't about to just crash. I told you now, Jeff. Don't worry. You know me. I dock here all the time. So you find yourself on Coriolis Station. The interior of Coriolis Station, once you get outside the docks, is almost indistinguishable from a large city. It has various large buildings built inside of it. It's a just massive space station, but make your way to Wahib's first. There's no messages waiting for you from your dear fence friend. Are you going to Wahib's first? What's the plan? Before I leave the ship, I'm hitting the randomization setting on my modulation mask, just so that way I no longer the way I do, but just someone just so unremarkable. So you're kind of just making your face look as boring and milk toast and just as unrememberable as possible to kind of blend in. Yes, I look like someone who thinks wheat bread is spicy. Fair enough. Oh, That's great. Yeah, so as you exit the dock, an old woman kind of stumbles and knocks into all three of you. She is not doing well, and she kind of like whips around really kind of wildly and looks at you and goes, You there! Hello there, Missy. And extends a finger at you in a raspy voice, just kind of continues. You carry the mark. Beware. She has returned. 
death and darkness follow where she goes. Her hands are shaking as she's just clutching at her cane. May the icons have mercy on you. You will need all the help you can get. And she's kind of whips around then, just tries to make her way off as fast as possible. That was quaint. I checked my pockets. Did I just get pickpocketed? Nope. Well, I have all my stuff. Quaint little lady lost her mind. That was uh, interesting. Who was she talking about? Can I attempt uh, something to figure out what the heck that was? Give me a wits. A wits. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm just staring kind of at the floor at this point. It's like, man, what has happened to the station? The station's got probably hundreds of thousands of people on it. You know, someone's bound to go crazy eventually. You know, they talk about space madness. You stare much into the inky darkness and you lose your mind. They say man wasn't meant to touch the stars, but here we are. See, this is why I find myself mostly in a fleet of spaceships. I'm going to at least know the people there. Just ugh, that was a bit of a messy, messy individual. He ain't doing no harm other than scaring some kids here and there. Yeah, well, as long as we've got all of our stuff on us, we can just probably keep going. What was she talking about, though? The, the eyes are upon us? What about you want somebody to mark or something from what I remember hearing? I'm going to be completely honest. I wasn't really listening to what she was saying beyond death and, you know, icons and whatnot. Here's the thing. It's the fact that someone would come up, start invoking some religious-esque sort of stuff. You don't mess with that. You don't mess with that really all, at all. Because who knows, you could piss off one of the icons and you can end up having some real bad luck, especially out in the wilds. It is clear that she upset some kind of icon because space madness doesn't come from just nothing. The icons really got to hate you if you're going to take fitness. So you're probably right. She's probably out pissing off icons left and right, and I want nothing to do with her. I'm putting her in the past. I've already forgotten her. I'm looking forward and saying a prayer to the icons. You should do the same. I shrug. It'll be fine, Ruth. Not everything's a conspiracy. Look, I'm just trying to keep us all safe. A little bit of paranoia has helped me so far. Kept me alive. I'm going to keep that streak going. You know what? Fair enough. Well, so far, the icons have kept me safe. I'm just going to keep on believing that they're, they're going to continue to keep me safe. So I think we should head on out and worry about the troubles ahead of us right now. If it makes y'all feel good, do you want? To do a quick little visit and do a little prayer before we head to Wahibs? Or should we just kind of go there and take our chances? No, I think we should definitely pay our respects before we head on out. It's always a good call. Now, hold on a second. I need to flip me a coin. Now, it's bad luck if a pilot doesn't go get a drink the moment they dock. But it's also bad luck if your friends are going to go see the icons and you don't go with them. So just give me a sec. Abrama's going to pull out a coin. I was going to make a joke that sounds like you're stuck between something on the rocks and a hard place. but. I'm in a bit of a spot. I can't imagine that they'd allow me to bring a drink into the temples. Doubtful, yeah. So yeah, he's going to flip a coin. All right. All right, what do you call it? Well, heads, we go grab a drink. Tails, we go pray to the gods first. What was Tails? Tails, let's go to the gods first. Gods first it is. Who knows, maybe they have some consecrated space wine. You can kill two birds with one stone with that. Yeah, I would want to piss off the icons with that one. No, Ruth, I like the way you think. Perhaps I can get my drink out of some kind of holy communion. Well, shall we, folks? Let's go. All right, so because you are on Coriolis Station, that means you can go to the Dome of the Icons, the 
largest temple on the entirety of the horizon. And a truly impressive, like wonders of the world, or in this case, wonders of the third horizon, top tier space. A just massive, beautiful, expansive, potentially like awe-inspiring. People make pilgrimages to come to this thing. It is just beautiful. Captain Roots, I'm not sure they're going to let me in too deep considering my standing and all, but if they do, I'll join you all. But I might have to be content on the outer rings here. Do you want to borrow my modulation mask? You know, I hear that wearing other people's faces brings bad luck, but unlike you, I'm not able to fight off the bad luck so well. All right. I appreciate the offer, though. Hey, man, I just want to make sure that you're comfortable. I don't want no jittery pilot behind the stern. Hey, hey, you're not supposed to say anything like that. You say that and somebody gets the jitters the next day. Next jump never goes away. You take it back. I, all right, I take it back. I take it. I'm still learning. I'm still learning. My apologies. All right, all right. All right, so you make your way into the dome of the icons. Which icons are you looking for? Which icons are you kind of seeking out to pray to? The gambler, I would imagine, is the go-to for pilots. So immediately going to the gambler. You go awesome through to the ship hand. Yeah, it's kind of a who do you credit the most with your travels through space, if you will. Yeah, I'm going to the gambler. All right. Someone who is big into <sighs> is the judge one of the people. Yeah, no, can... the judge is one of the icons. Absolutely. I was going to say, like, if you're at a loss of who to go to, like you all have your personal icons, not personal, but like born under the right signs icon to go with like that doesn't not make sense to go and spend some time with that person or kind of pray to that person hypothetically. Okay. Well then I'm definitely going to go with the judge then. Sure. I will be headed to the shrine of the traveler. All right. Do you make any special offerings? Like how does each one of your characters pray? I guess like what is the, that's like a strange question. How do you view your relationship with the icon? There's obviously kind of the, hard and fast cultural ideas of how one's supposed to interact with this, but you deviate from that. You kind of, what's the right phrase for this? Like, how do you interpret kind of your faith in this cases? How religious is your character? Is it kind of more of a hedging the bets type of situation? Is it a, you're all in on this? Is it more kind of a, you think of this kind of your imaginary friend that you kind of just like catch up on your going ons for lack of a better phrase when you're out in space? I feel like Ruth is the type of person who relies solely on her instincts so she's very kind of like i'm out to protect myself but just in case if there is something to help aid it she's going to partake in some of the rituals hedging the bets almost yes like she's not hyper devout but she's participating a pragmatic approach where it like it doesn't hurt to kind of do this every once in a while kind of stance makes sense so it's kind of on and off with Avarama. He attributes a lot of things to the icons and, and will often refer to them in conversation. And the way that he, he prays when he goes to the gambler is a lot of the times people leave like decks of cards and dice and whatnot to appease the gambler. And what Amarama does is he picks up two dice and he rolls them. If he rolls high... He expects that the gambler is seeing favorably upon him. And if he rolls low, he sees that the gambler is not looking favorably upon him and he has to give a bigger offering. Is Abarama the kind of person that like 
when things are good, it's all me. When things are bad, it's like obviously you piss the icons off type of person, or is it more kind of even keel than that? It kind of depends. Like piloting, hundred sure. percent all him. Anything else, it's it icons and and them wanting to succeed or fail. His success a lot of the times like play into his own head. So if he does this role and he rolls like 2d6 and rolls snake eyes, he feels like if he goes out, he's going to die unless he puts out a big offering. But if he rolls like box cards, he's like, well, we're good. I don't need to give anything this time around. You're going to be looking out for me. So he almost kind of more leans into the karmic aspects of this setting. Like the whole, it's not so much the icons. It's more kind of the opposite of the dark between the stars, if you will, the kind of tropic careless, death's void that is space type of thing kind of like the icons are the opposite of that so everything is bad and everything is good it just goes around and sometimes it hits you and sometimes it hits somebody else sure much more of kind of a karmic feedback approach to religion than a yeah i like that that's cool i'm gonna roll 2d6 just to see what his reaction would be yeah he rolled a seven so when he rolls the dice he's gonna look down at them and then then up to whatever is depicting the gambler and he says oh i see how it is this time you want to be all mysterious like all right all right i'm not gonna take any chances and he's gonna pull out whatever remaining money he has and put it down so you win this time i'll be back sure do slight head bow and leave yvonne so for me i'm just for a guy who's really big into like being i guess well hmm I want to say if I was going to choose a kind of a way for it, I would say it's more superstition than the devout belief. So if I approach it, I do it because it's kind of our good luck charm superstition belief for me. So I don't necessarily have like a hardcore tire belief in anything in particular, but I am a believer in kind of just that superstition. So I'll go through the motions, if you will. Sure. Yeah, it's. It's more about the doing it than the actually believing it, I guess, for your character. Yeah, very much so. And you run off to see the judge, correct? Yep. All right. I guess, what is the ritual in this case for Ivam? Like, you kind of do the bare minimum. Like, what is, how does, I guess, Ivam interact with the judge? Is it just kind of the simple prayer or is it something more complicated? Very simple prayer. Like, I'll go there. I'll just kind of sit there and stare at, is it a statue that they have? Or yeah, where they're they, statues, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'll sit there in front of the statue and just kind of stare at it for a bit while I talk about what we're about to dive into, if you will. So, you know, I talk about, well, we've got a mission going over here. And you know what it's more like, I would say? It's like a therapy session where I kind of just vent on what we're going through. I was almost going to ask, like, it's almost kind of like a confessional or something. Yeah. It's kind of that weird imaginary friend type of thing where like, it's a one-way conversation, but like it's, it's nice to have something to talk to about these types of things. And that doesn't have a, you're not looking for answers, you're kind of looking to kind of get it out there. Yeah. Because I mean, obviously, like I said, it's not a devout belief. So I know for a fact, the statue is not going to talk back to me or anything, but I will work out kind of what I have on my head. And as far as what we're going into out basically to the statue, but it's not like a prayer or ritual or anything like actually substantially religious. It's more, very much like let's go through the emotions here and it's also like i said kind of a little bit of a confessional slash therapy session where i kind of just talk through it and then you know are we allowed to touch the statues yeah probably okay well i would touch the foot of the statue at the end of it and then i'd walk away like i don't really put in well no i would put a, a little bit of an offering i'll put some i guess what is it called burr sure yeah i'll put a little bit of burr every time 
And yeah, that's it. Just like I said, just talking through it. Nothing officially like hardcore religious, just going through the motions, but also talking it out loud. So that'll be my approach for it. Awesome. The way I want to kind of interact with the traveler statue, I would imagine like there is a basic form of how you kind of interact with the icons and interact with these holy sites. But there's also just a little bit more of like the traditional aspects of it. And I kind of want to tap into like Ruth kind of walking into the traveler's temple or traveler's shrine. And especially with the traveler and the fact that it's like icon of protection, the way that I imagine the like a traditional way to kind of ask for blessing or anything else like that is to remove one's shoes and like shake the dust off of your shoes to add into the shrine's like collection just because it's a whole bunch of people kind of coming together and asking for the traveler's benevolence. And as you're walking through, you in turn kind of collect the dust from others upon yourself. And then at the kind of the base of the shrine, I would imagine Ruth to kind of like touch the actual foot of the statue and just kind of either spread the dust or spread the dirt or spread whatever imaginary blessings or not imaginary, but like the concept of the blessings like through her hair and like through her brow and stuff it's almost like an ash no that makes sense she almost kind of goes very literal with the whole traveler aspect of it like you're offering to the traveler's proof of travel that's interesting mm-hmm. but there's also kind of like a community aspect to it in the sense sure. of there's a whole bunch of people coming to here and it's protection and it's a whole bunch of other stuff so i'd imagine there's just a small offering of supplies that people like take and exchange and like drop off and stuff unofficially probably yeah but yeah that makes sense and so ruth is going to take a spare clip from her weapon that she has and just leave it at the shrine bit of a strange choice for the traveler but it makes sense yeah given who ruth is yeah because there's probably like blankets and like yeah and rations or whatever the hell that's just kind of scattered around the quote traditional offerings to the traveler are knotted hemp rope crude string figurines of ships a horse of some kind of transportation craft. Yeah, all the stuff you're talking about makes a certain amount of sense. It definitely makes sense from a who Ruth is perspective of your kind of you're offering supplies. It's about the journey, for lack of a better phrase, for Ruth than the more kind of literal definition of travel. That makes sense. Anything else we want to do before we head off to Wahibs, or is it time to head off to Wahibs? Abarama stops by the judge, but he does not step in the room. He just kind of points to the statue they've got and gives a nod and then heads off to Wahibs. All right. Put my shoes back on and head in with everyone else. All right. All right. So you travel from the Dome of the Icons to Wahib's Cantina. They could not be more different. One is a grand religious space and the other is truly a spaceport bar. Wafting out of the entrance of this bar, you can smell spicy food, arash, incense. It's located on an alley off of a busy street near the ports. It's, as I said before, you may have already been here before. Maybe you haven't. It's very famous type of thing. It's well known on Coriolis. It's maybe a bit of a rite of passage of some ways. At a minimum, you've heard of this place before, most definitely. Well, if we are here on your friend Cha's orders, I think I'm going to get myself a drink at his expense. And Abarama's going to go walk up to the bar. All right. Can I scope out the place to see if I recognize anybody? Yeah, give me an observation to see what you find. I have a limited success with one hit. Yeah, so maybe you recognize a couple people, but no one's super of note. 
You do see in the back of the bar, though, a um, very well-dressed man in brightly rich colored clothing and three or four mercenaries seem to be interacting with him. Something about it does seem a little bit strange, though. Can you define the strange? You can't hear the conversation, but there's definitely kind of a forced nature to it. Maybe they're shaking him down. Maybe it's something else. The body language seems off, I guess, is the way of thinking of it. Like, it's not a fluid conversation. It's a bit off. Hey, Captain. Yep. There's a little bit of trouble on the other bar. Hmm. Let's let's get a little bit closer, but not make it too obvious. I do want to definitely keep an eye line of all you guys, just to kind of make sure we're good. Is it possible for me to... Well, so basically, I want to move to a table that's right next to that area, but not in the actual area of where those mercenaries go. Basically, I'd like to move to a table that's not exactly in the room where that's going on, but it's within earshot of where that's going on. And also, I have light of sight with Aberama. Yeah, that's easily enough to do. Yeah, it's you haven't done anything suspicious yet. It's very easy to kind of just walk over to that location. And as you get closer, you hear well-dressed man, I kind of, he's getting a little bit of irate with the situation. He goes, can we just go back to your ship, the Saffron, already? I was told you had been briefed about this or that you were expecting me. Time is of the essence. This needs to get done. We've already agreed on terms. I plan to come along on this. Just let's go back to your ship already. So I perked up hearing that, let's go back to your ship, the Saffron. Can I confirm that's what they said? That's absolutely what they said. Okay, perfect. So. At that point, let me see. Damn it, I don't know. Is there what if I wanted to kind of like get a better observation or kind of spy in a little bit more, but not make it obvious? Is there anything I can do game wise? Yeah, absolutely. Give me an infiltration roll. I'll even give you a plus two because again, you've done anything suspicious yet. Okay, I failed that roll, so I got a failure. You gonna pray to the icons? You gonna take the failure? I'm going to take the failure. I don't feel like giving another darkness point right now early on. Fair enough. No, that's totally fair. Yeah, so as you approach, you kind of knock something over. Maybe you, like, bump a waiter or waitress, and they kind of drop something, and a glass shatters, and the three armored individuals kind of whip around and see you, and the well-dressed individual seems confused about all of this. They seem a tad on edge. Directly in kind of front of him, kind of interacting with him the most, is a better-dressed armored individual and that person kind of whips around looks at you and goes shit okay i am going to signal to abrama and just kind of be like things are gonna get interesting one of my items is a oh that doesn't actually transmit information well i do have a computer one on me but computer is a big old thing i have to lug around technically right yeah okay i have a holograph personal does that mean I can send a message over to Abrama? And it's just a holograph. Like it's a hologram. It says it can transmit and receive holographic messages. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure Abrama has that. Like, again, this is a bar. You can yell at each other and kind of get attention. Like, okay. I'm missing also gotcha. Abrama probably heard the glass get broken and also is like potentially looking in that direction too at that point. Gotcha. Okay. So I'll signal to Abrama, but not make any noise just to kind of be like, hey. He just holds up his hands like in this second and he picks up the Iraqi order and he starts walking over. What does it look like? Does it look like we're gearing up for a fight? What does Abarama see the captain doing? So basically since the more armored person looked over and said shit and also because I heard the fact that like 
We're probably looking to find out exactly why they're saying their ship is a Saffron. So there's probably about to be a scuffle. All right. He walks over to here, like leans against his pillar and looks like he's just watching people watching while drinking. I'm currently still seated at the table, but I have my gun drawn underneath the table pointed at the group. All right. But I'm trying to act as casual as possible. Sure. Yeah. So the well-dressed individual kind of looks at all this and is like, we can just leave. Let's go back to your ship. We'll board the Saffron. We'll depart. There's no need for violence. What seems to be the problem? Can I hear them saying this? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to kind of walk up and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now you talking about boarding the Saffron. I don't think any of you own the Saffron. See, the captain here owns the Saffron. I don't think any of you approve. I look over. I walk up next to Abarama and we're standing at the entrance or basically the doorway of where this room is. So we're blocking them in and we say, yeah, you guys don't look like you're on my cruise sheet. And I'll let you in on a little secret. Saffron, she don't like uninvited guests. So I suggest you drop that idea, right? So the well-dressed man kind of looks confused at this point, looks at the nicer dress of the armored individuals and goes, I'm sorry. I thought that you were, I thought that you were Captain Yvonne of the, uh, of the Saffron. Are, are you not? That's how you introduced yourself. Who, who are these people claiming that the saffron is theirs? Uh, hold on. You out here claiming the saffron is yours and trying to tell people all about it? No, no. Saffron is ours, and we we are the only ones who can claim our exploit. Now, you take it all back right now. We're going to have to show you a fool. Give me manipulate. I'm not very good at this. Who is good at manipulating, I guess? I am. Can I do it? I rolled a limited success with one. All right. But as Abarama is saying this, I whip back a little bit of like, I guess my coat so they can see my gun holstered there. All right. So you do that. And the fancy armored figure kind of like looks at you and kind of puts their hand on their weapon as well. You tied in that kind of opposed role. So no advantage on that just yet kind of thing. And they do technically have a slight advantage in numbers on you and kind of staring you down some would my general talent of third eye prevent me from them getting the one up on me what does third eye do you have the ability to sense an ambush and once per session you can avoid the effects of being surprised the talent also gives you a constant plus two to observation when trying to detect sneak attack or an ambush i would definitely say an ambush is potentially about to happen okay. you definitely kind of sense this could go bad real quick unless you de-escalate it type of thing and I will say that these people look trained and like hitters. Like they're definitely not the crew of the Saffron, partially because you know you are the crew of the Saffron, and partially because these people would not own the Saffron. They probably own something with a few more guns on it. And mm. I basically do like an analysis or an observation ish kind of thing to see exactly how much firepower they have potentially, since I, they're basic. I'm basically in light of sight of them, and they are in light of sight of me. They have carbines. They definitely have carbines. They're not trying to hide that even remotely. Okay. All right. So while the standoff is happening, the person that you're assuming is kind of their leader steps towards you, comes around the room some and kind of spreads their arms open some and kind of goes, listen, you can just walk away right now. We're the crew of the Saffron. We get it. You're trying to impersonate us and horn in on this deal. Take your bullshit somewhere else. Now listen, what you're talking about right now is just a thought of piracy. 
But if you really go through with this, then it is piracy. And you know what they do to pirates here on this station. And it doesn't look like all of you have air for more than eight hours in that little suit of yours. So unless you learned how to breathe in the vacuum of space, I suggest you just drop it. I like that one. Give me manipulation at plus two, because that's a pretty good threat. I am going to pray to the icons. I rolled a one limited success so far. And I assist with my manipulation on that one? Yes, we had to say that before we started rolling. So you said you were going to pray to the icons? I am. All right. That increased the success to two successes. All right. So that threat hit home as maybe it's speaking pilot to pilot, maybe it's speaking spacer to spacer at this point. But you both are keenly aware that there are lots of bad ways to go in space. One of the worst is oxygen deprivation. There are so many stories in the Third Horizon of just crews that had a leak or something go wrong and just savagely tore each other apart in that kind of final throws that happen in madness of air deprivation. That kind of animalistic instinct kicks in and that threat, despite being a little bit outnumbered, definitely hits home. And maybe something about this just kind of lands with this individual specifically, but they kind of relax some and just kind of shrug and go, you know what? Fuck it. We got better places to be right now and just kind of signals to the rest of their crew and they kind of just push past you and they just kind of storm out of waves. Now you have a good day. As they're walking by one of the mercs, just the like to your back, middle finger up as they're walking type of thing. And you are now alone in this room with the well dressed man who just seems unbelievably confused as to what's going on. Oh my captain. I thought we were all just about to die. Well, it's a good thing we stopped by the uh, temple and gave our uh, our prayers before we came here. Can't knock a good superstition, my friend. Say, you know, it's oxygen deprivation. That's the last thing you throw, but uh, it gets through to people. All right, you want to go see who this guy is? Yeah, let's see this confused fellow and see why they thought that we were us. 